right, good morning, everybody. So glad to see you. How many of you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. I want to take uh, just about 30 seconds. I want to thank Pastor Chad for taking such good care of you guys last weekend. We are in a summer rotation for those of you who don't know how we kind of do things on, on, uh, in, in the summer months. But our campus pastors rotate around just to give some diversity and some different cadence to the weekends. And so I was in Benton last weekend. Uh, great church there, and, uh, but I'm always glad to be back home with you guys. So um, I also want to thank, I, I want us to put our hands together for our parking team. Man, can we uh, just give it up for those guys? I'm always thankful for them. Uh, ben Robinson does such a great job. You can't find a happier person than Ben. And uh, they'll stand out there in 100-degree weather, make sure we get in and out uh, with safety. And so um, I'm just thankful for that parking team. So um, this morning, I want to uh, talk to us about a topic that we're all familiar with, and that is time. And uh, when you think about that, you think about church, uh, you might be like, you know, how, how, um, how can, uh, you know, time, how can that be a spiritual topic? But it's actually a huge spiritual topic. And uh, we're we're gonna uh, take a, a peek at it this morning, and so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip around a, a little bit. But if you want to follow me, I'm gonna go to Psalm chapter 39 and kind of use that as as a foundational scripture uh, this morning. So let me set this up just a, a little bit. Uh, we're we're always aware of what time it is. You know, people used to wear watches, and uh, now we just use phones. We don't even, uh, you know, a lot of you don't even wear a watch any longer. Uh, you just look at your phone all day. And if if it is a of a watch, it's typically tethered to your phone, and uh, so. But we always know what time it is. Actually, you're going to check your phone at least twice while I'm speaking today to make sure that I'm not going too long. Okay, And so let me tell you how this system kind of works. If you'll look, there's a clock on the back, and it's wrong because it's got me at 22 minutes, and I just started. So that's a little unfair, Wayne. Um, but there's a clock on the back to tell me how long I've been speaking. That's phase one. Okay, So the, fa- the first phase of this clock is when I'm out of time, it turns red. And so it tells me, hey, it's time to land this. If that doesn't work, one of the production guys waves at me. And if that doesn't work, my wife walks out, and that's my, that's my last sign to go, hey, I'm done. You know, I'm out. I'm tired of listening to you. Uh, but Psalm chapter 39, uh, let's look at this really quick. Um, this is a psalm of David, and uh, David says this. He says, Lord, remind me how brief my time is on earth. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me of that. In other words, he's saying, hey, bring me back in. Let me get an eternal perspective on my life. Let me see that my life is so fast. Uh, it's just a vapor. It's a moment. It's here one second. It's gone the very next. Some of you today, you're in, in your 50s, and you can't believe it. Like you still feel like you're 25, your mind still uh, sees clearly 25, 30 years ago, and you're like, I can't believe I'm in a 50-year-old body. And uh, some of you are older than, than that, and, uh, and because of your maturity level, you act a lot younger than that. But um, time is, is very strange, and I don't know about you, but when I go on a road trip, I, I play a game with my GPS, and, and I'm, I'm geographically handicapped, so Robbie won't let me go anywhere without plugging in the GPS coordinates so that she can actually relax, and she'll go, this little arrow on the screen is you, and the blue line is where you have to go, okay? Now, don't deviate from that unless I'm awake, 
And so I'm like, I got it. And then it tells me your estimated time of arrival is 2.04. Now, my goal is to come in underneath that. I don't know if that's a man thing or what, but, uh, but to come in underneath that. And so, um, you know, I'm like, chop, chop, let's get to it, get in there, use the bathroom, grab a snicker bar, get back in the car, buckle up, we're gone. I'm, I'm in a race with Siri. And so then I get back in. They're, they're like, you know, in there, you know, 60 seconds and get back, and somehow we lose eight minutes. So, you know, I'm that guy driving, you know, oh, man, but, but it seems like the, the point of it is that the time and it's almost like being fast is the reward. You know, I got to get there. I got to get it done rather than the experiences and enjoying the experience that time gives us. It's almost like we just want, we, we got to get through it. We got to get through our, our, our day. We got to get to lunch. We got to get to six o'clock. We got to get through dinner. We got to get through the, the show. We got, we, get, we got to get through it. And it's like being fast is what we're after rather than, again, the experience that that time allows us to have. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. This is a great word to the church at, at Ephesus. This is Paul. And I'm, I'm going to read two verses here, and I'm going to break this down into three different translations so that you really get an idea of what Paul is trying to communicate clearly here. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, he says this, So be careful how you live. It's, it's a warning to us saying, hey, just, just take heed because this thing is so fast that if you get caught in bad habits and you get caught in vices and you get caught doing things that you're not comfortable with, if you're not, not careful, you can turn around and be caught in those things 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So he's saying, be careful how you, you live. And he goes on in verse 16, and the NIV says it, says it this way, not as unwise but as wise Making the most of every opportunity. That when I see something, I seize it. And so the ESV version, which is a great translation, says it this way. Making the best use of time. Okay, so he's saying this still. So be careful how you live, making the best use of time. All right, and then the King James Version says it this way. So be careful how you live redeeming the, the, the time. And I, th- I think that's very unique, the way the King James Version translated that. Redeeming time. What does that even mean? And, and so when you break this down, let, let me explain this. The word redeem is, is an awesome word. And when we use the prefix R-E, it means basically to circle back and do it again. Okay, One way of saying it a little more complicated is to go back to an original position. Okay, and, and to give you a couple of word examples, to give you some imagery, let me do it this way. When we use the word pent, like penthouse, the penthouse is the highest. So when we repent, we are down here. And we are circling back to the original position of being in a high place when we repent. Okay? Restore means that at one point there was plenty. Now it's empty, and now we're going to restore it or restock it, okay? This is where the word revival, vive means alive, and so when you are reviving, you are bringing back to life, okay? So you think about the word redeem, deem means to own something, 
And so when you redeem and you put those words together, it means to buy it up or to ransom it or to rescue it from loss. And so when he says redeem time, he's saying, hey, listen, this is what God is able to do in us. He's able to take time that was lost and redeem you for it. That's amazing. And so I want you to think about this. Think about terrible seasons of your life where you felt stumped and stunned and derailed. And it's, it's kind of like, like, like this, and I'm not trying to be crass, but it's like you, you kind of have this feeling, you go, man, I just, I got divorced, and past year seemed like it just blew by. I mean, I, I just kind of got introverted, and I held everybody off, and I got lonely, and I got depressed, and I, I didn't know what was around the corner for me, and before I knew it, a year went by. Or you lose someone physically. You lose a parent. You lose a child. And suddenly you're just stunned, so paralyzed spiritually, physically, emotionally. that Time keeps going, but you seem to be trapped and you're stuck. Trauma will do that to you. It, it, it just puts you in this place that, that everything else is moving except you. What's awesome about this is that this is what this word is telling us, that God can take that season and give it back to you. He can take those moments of pain and bring gladness out of it. Take something that the enemy intended for evil and turn it and make it a point of celebration for you. And this is how he does it. He controls time. And so when we, there are three groups of people in this room, there are people here that feel like you don't have enough of it. Uh, the, the day is way too short. And so you're sleeping less, you're doing more. And then there are those of you who feel like you're out of time. Maybe even you're at a season of your life where you feel like it doesn't even matter anymore. I'm out of time. I'm out of time to, to, for God to do something great in me. I'm out of time to, to be redeemed. I'm out of time to get it all right. I'm out of time to give my heart to God. I, I, I waited too long. And so that, that's your frame of mind. And then there's the third group in here, those of you who think you got plenty of it, that it's never going to end, that you got, you got uh, life by the tail and everything's great and you feel like that it's just not a resource for you that's just going to go on and on and on and on and that, and that nothing could happen to you. And so all three of these group makes, makes a common assumption, and that is this, that we are in charge of time. That if we manage it well, we get more of it. If we don't manage it well, it goes away. And, and some of that is definitely true. But we don't control it. So let me give you some theology here. God lives outside of time as we know it. Okay, The Greek word there is kairos or kairos. And that means this. I think this is such a great word. But when, when I drilled and drilled and drilled, I wanted to find out, I mean, what is the one thought behind kairos? And it's this. God lives in a place, catch this, this is the Greek interpretation where he lives in the right time. I like that. So when God does something, it's always the right time. It's never by mistake. It's never late. It's never early. It is the right time, an eternal time. You and I live in a Greek word called chronos or chronological time where things are ticking and they're measured and, it's, and, and we have so much of it and then we expire. 
Okay, the death rate is 100%. We're all going to expire at some point. Your life is going to end. Okay, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, we're with God. There are times, though, when Kahiros and Kronos run into each other, and those times are called miracles. That when God's timing and our timing lines up, that's miraculous. And it's not always what you and I think of, like blind eyes opening or, or, or someone, someone being miraculously healed, and those things are great. But every day in our lives is some form of a miracle. And some of them we don't even know about. The protective hand of God, the favor of God. You thought it was your gift and your talent that got you a promotion, but it was God. You thought you got from point A to point B safely on your own ability, but no, it was God. There's all kinds of times when Kronos and Kahiros run into each other because God is at work light like that. So let me move on. Let's go to Psalm chapter 90. And I want to give you a little bit of backstory here. This psalm was actually written by, by Moses. Man, what, what a great character. I mean, you can study Moses for books and books and books. He's one of the most expounded characters in Scripture. We know a lot about him. But this particular psalm was written by him. And I want to focus on one area of, of, of his life. Moses spent 40 years, his best years, doing nothing. Okay? Now, every single day when he was with his father Jethro, he was keeping sheep. And I don't know a lot about sheep. I don't know, I don't know what it takes. I'm sure it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a taxing responsibility. But here's the thing. Moses had no reason to wear a watch because his job was this, be with sheep. If the sun is up, he was with sheep. If it was down, he was with sheep. He actually wore a T-shirt that said, Sheep Happens, okay? And so, I was going to test drive that at the 9 o'clock, and if it didn't go over well, I was going to scrap it. <laughs> if you want to send an ugly email about that, it's kboyd at newlifechurch.tv. Moses has an incredible perspective on time. Psalm chapter 90, verse 4. Watch this. This is Moses. He says, A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. A thousand years to you is like a day. And so in a nutshell, a thousand years to us, rather, is but a day to God. So our time here is very short. And how long is our life in God's perspective. Well, I wanted to give you a visual aid this morning. And so here it is, and this may or may not, this may or may not work here. Stay put. I got, I got them falling down. Okay, imagine from here to that, that last one being a 100-yard foot football field. Every yard rep represented here is 40 years of time. So when Moses was alive right here, all the way to modern day down there is about 4,100 years, okay? So 2,085 B.C., Abraham is promised you're going to have a, have a child, okay? And then 1446 B.C., Moses crosses the Red Sea. Isn't that a funny picture? Okay. 1024 B.C., David kills Goliath. 585 B.C., the Hebrew boys are thrown into the fiery furnace. Midway through the football field, Jesus is born. Okay? 
And then 34 AD, Saul, who fell over, is converted to Paul and becomes a church planner, an incredible catalyst in the New Testament. And then you jump quickly down here to 1009 AD, and the Crusades have started. Stay. And then 1492, Columbus sails the ocean blue. 1876, Alexander Graham Bell invents the telephone. 1969, Al Gore invents the internet. And then now, this morning, in this moment, between right now in this, in this last foot of time, this last foot of time, smartphones have exploded, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Marco Polo, all of it has been invented and exploded. New Life Church has, has put together 17 campuses. Marvel has made 19 movies. And if you are a student in this place under the age of 20, your life is the width of a pencil. Now that, that should show you how, how quick it can go by. And this is 4,000 years worth of time. And so what Moses is saying, Lord, to you, my 4,000 years is but four days to you. It's fast. It's over. How many lives come and go in 4,000 years? That's not even a week to God. And so when we think about time and we think about how quickly, this is why Scripture keeps on reminding us. And so Moses tells us in Psalm 90, verse 12, he says, So teach us to consider our mortality. That word consider means to think heavily upon. Teach us to think about our mortality so that we might be live wisely, that I might say, you know what, I've got this certain amount of, of, of days. What do I want to do with them? And this doesn't really hit you until you get some maturity. Because when you're in your youth, you're just spending it. You're just doing time. You're just going by. You think you're going to live forever. But there's something happens in life, whether it was an experience or you had some epiphany, that suddenly you realize that this thing isn't going to last forever. And you start to consider life in a different way. Time is a gift from God. David says it this way in Psalm 118, verse 24. He says, this is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Now, we always use that as a time of praise, and it is. But I also think it could have been a reflective moment for David. You gave me this moment, and I'm going to rejoice in it. I have another day to live, and I'm going to be happy in it. I'm not going to spend this resource of time today isolating myself, being angry, being upset, being hurt. I'm not going to spend it hurting others. I'm not going to spend it manipulating. I'm not going to spend it lying to people. No, i got a certain amount of this, and I want to use it to the best of my ability. So we need to renew our value of time because sometimes we consider time to be a nuisance, and I, I, I do too. We go see a, a movie. We spend $98.46 on popcorn and a candy bar, and we watch two hours of movie, and we go, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I want my time back. Or you go to Silver Dollar City, and you're like, you wait in line six hours for time travel, and it's like 40 seconds. It's over. You're like, I waited 
a half a day for 40 seconds. I want my time back. So how can God re- redeem your time? I put this in your notes this morning. I want to give you just a few things. The first thing is this. Don't waste your time looking backwards. Don't waste your time looking backwards. When you're on your deathbed, you won't ask to see your bank statement. You're going to ask to see your family. Okay? And do you know that no matter how smart you are or gifted you are or financially secure you are, you cannot make yesterday better. No matter what your skill is, no matter what monetary means you have, no matter where you live, no matter who you are, no matter who your daddy was, you cannot make yesterday better. Don't spend your time today looking backward. Chad Morris said it this way. He said, there's a reason that the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield. The windshield is supposed to be our point of focus going forward. So Romans chapter 8, verse 14 in the Message Bible, we get this this call to action. The Message Bible says it this way, God's Spirit beckons or calls to you. There are places to go and things to, to do. God has an agenda, and he wants you to be a part of it. Right? The second thing, quickly, don't waste time being angry. When we're angry, we lose track of time. And I'm not going to camp out here, but I, I am going to give you one verse. James 1.19, possibly one of the best scriptures ever written about anger. He says, everyone should be quick to listen Slow to speak and slow to become angry. One philosopher said it this way, lead with your ears. Lead with your ears. Listen first. Okay, slow to speak, slow to anger. Number three, don't waste time with criticism. When we are critical, we are one slippery step away from being judgmental. Now, I've told you my story many times, but I grew up in churches that kind of had this as, as a sickness. It was like part of their culture, just a what, what we called a critical spirit. Everything became critical. Everything became critical. And churches were hard to grow because everybody had an opinion, and you deserve that. But you got to know when to use it and when to hush I saw a church split one time, okay? True story. I saw them split and go start another church because they were in a building project and could not decide collectively about the carpet. And it got so nasty. They said, we're just going to go start another church. Over carpet. I stood back and I thought, I wonder how many of those people are actually going to make it to heaven. That's what I thought. I know that's critical. (laughs) But judgmental, that whole attitude and mentality can fall quickly on a group of people. It's contagious. Just just don't waste your time being critical because it doesn't change anything. This is why I love action-oriented people. They are solution-focused. They love to solve problems, not just to point them out. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to pretend that something doesn't exist when it does. Leadership demands that we look at weak areas and address them. But there's a difference in pointing it out and saying, how, how do we fix it? Instead of just pointing it out and trying to talk it up and stir the pot and say, I, you know, somebody needs to make that right or I'm going to go somewhere else and do some, something different. 
What you're going to find when you have a critical spirit, no matter what church you go to, no matter what life group you're in, no matter what type of worship you go to, no matter what denomination or non-denominational setting you are in, when you have a critical spirit, it will follow you wherever you go. You will find something wrong with everybody and everything when you're not addressing that critical spirit inside of your heart. You got to deal with that. Don't waste your time being critical. James chapter 5, he tells us this. Verse 9, do not complain against one another so that God will not judge you. Meaning this, God gets involved when we complain against each other. He's going to get involved in saying, why don't you two knock it off? Get along. Confess your faults to each other. Lift each other up. Love each other. Forgive each other. Love each other as I have loved loved you. There's so much doctrine on on this that we can't get in in this critical spirit. we got to lift each other up, pray for each other, support each other. That's what makes us coming together so great because we're excited to see each other and we love each other. The next one. Don't waste time being right. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But some really struggle with this, and we come by it honestly. Adam and Eve, when the first time they are called out on something, they, everybody blames somebody. He comes to Adam. Adam, who told you that you didn't have clothes on? Let me start by telling you that the woman you gave me, that's what he says. I'll work on getting dressed in a minute, but that woman, Eve, what happened? The snake Snuck right up on me, brought me a piece of fruit. They blame everybody. It's in us to project blame. I used to be right in my house a lot until Google came around. My wife double-checks every statement I make with with Google. Anybody, Anybody else in the house? Thank you, okay, four of you. It can even be about stuff that I know. Like, I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Okay, and so when I, when, I, when I think about those kind of things, I can say to her, you know, listen, I'm telling you, that first Star Wars movie came out in 1977. I know because I was four years old. And so I, I know when it came, it was 1977, and she'll go, let's just see what Google says. I mean, it just irritates me to no end. I might as well just stop talking. I can throw out a, a stat, yeah, I think, you know, so many people are, are telling you, let's just see what Google says. Okay. And so I, I used to have, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot more clout with that. But, but the, the thing is, a lot of people can get this in their heart, and they, they got to be right. They got to win every argument. And so there was something, you know, in, in our culture, my grandparents, they were fun to watch. I'm about out of time. My clock's about to turn red. And, and so, but they, they were so fun to watch because my grandfather had, had this in him. He had to win the arguments. And it was funny. And when he got out debated, he would just give her a look that meant like, that's enough. I'm done talking. I'm right. You're wrong. I don't care what the statistics say. Okay. So let me move on quickly. The, the, the next thing is don't, don't waste time being the point, okay? We reach a place in our life and realize it's not about me. The younger we are, we think we are the point, okay? 
And I'm going to be very, very honest with you this morning. I want you to hear this with spiritual ears. But there was a time in my life I needed to take, and I did take, just a few months away from the ministry, away from a microphone. Because if you're not careful... The enemy will begin to tell you, now this wasn't last Sunday, but this was years ago. He would tell me, hey, listen, you are the one responsible. You are the one responsible for this. And suddenly it became that it wasn't the Holy Spirit going through me, but it was me. And I need to take a step back and regroup and reassess and rethink this out because the pressure on me became less about what I felt like God needed to communicate and, and became more about, about a, a, a sense of, of pride, of going, did I do good or not? And so we reach this point in our life where we go, it's not about me, so what is it about? If, if I'm not the center of the universe... What is all this really about? Okay, so let me tell you this about about God. Three things about our involvement with him. God will do something for you. He will do something in spite of you. Okay, and there's a lot of doctrine about that. But God absolutely loves to do something through you. So he will do it for you, in spite of you, and through you. It is not about us, it's about him, I hate using the word use us, but it's such an honor just to be a vessel. So he works through us. And he uses time, and we use time to be used by him at lunch this afternoon to talk to your your waiter or your waitress. Give an encouraging word. Pray with somebody. Send somebody an encouraging text. He'll do something through you, okay? Next, don't waste time being busy. We often trade effectiveness for busyness. We like to brag about being busy, like a badge of honor. And some of us are even confused as to what busy is. Let me give you an, an example. I can walk in after a day, and I can see my, my kid. And this is, this is typically, I, I know she's been watching net Netflix all day long. And I'll say, what have you been doing today? Oh, I'm so busy. She's got like an empty two-liter of Mountain Dew sitting there. And then I realize she's just binge-watched five seasons of Friends. And I'm like, have you eaten today? No, but Joey is hilarious. <laughs> you know, she thinks she's busy, but she's not. Okay? Listen, if the enemy cannot destroy us, he will distract us. Okay, hear me. If he can't destroy you, he'll try to distract you. He'll try to rob you of time, of being used by God, of a resource. He will try to depress us, sadden us. And these things are common to the human existence. But I'm just saying abnormality, to spend years stuck. He'll try to get you to worry so much about how you look and your appearance that you can't even function. He gets you so caught up about your weight or what people think about you or what, how they perceive you or what they're going to say if you voice this or voice that. Or if you really step out into that big old dream, people are going to laugh at you. He will distract you if he can't destroy you. And he robs you of time. So God can redeem the time we have left. Okay, let me move on. My clock is red and the guys are waving. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. You can read it from any translation you want, but I loved how, how this broke it down. What do we do? And I'm going to close. Romans 12, 1. He says this in the Message. So here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and place it before God as an offering. He's saying even the ordinary things in our life. Place it before God. My resting, my going to work, my dreaming, things I take pride in, things I love doing, lay it before the Lord. And he goes on to say, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Fix your focus on God. If you never, if if you want to never look look back and regret your time, I've given you a little focus statement on your handout this morning. And I want you to take take it out. You were handed a piece of paper when you walked in this morning. It's got notes on it, and at the very bottom is a statement. And I'm going to ask us to read this together out loud. This may be a train wreck, but we're going to try it. Okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to start it, and then when I get to the I will love, I'm going to ask for you to join me. But I want you to put this somewhere, on, on your fridge, in your Bible, on your bathroom counter, wherever kind of the hub of your life is, and I want you to practice this. But it says, Lord, I recognize what you want from me and respond to it. My God brings out the best in me, and he develops well-formed maturity in me. Now let's read the rest of this together, everybody. I will love from the center of who I am and not feel pressure to fake anything. I will run from evil. I will hold on to good with everything I am. I will be a good friend and will gladly take a back seat at the right times. I will not burn out. I will keep myself fueled. I will expect good things from God. I will not quit in hard times. I will help people in need and be inventive with my hospitality. Amen? This is what I want it to be a prayer in our lives, to take this resource, this non-repeating resource that we get, and use it for the glory of God. Amen? Can we do that? I want you to stand with me all across this place today. I'm going to pray over us.